Hello, all. I'm Daniel Kubal. Welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics podcast. I have with me today a very special guest, uh, Phil Holt. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. Excellent. Excellent. And do you want to give us just a quick little introduction on yourself before we get started with the questions? Yes, of course. Um, I'm an author who currently is publishing a trilogy about Vikings and Norse mythology. The first one, Northern Wrath, came out last year, and the second one, Shackled Face, just came out a few weeks ago. And the third one comes out next year, which I'm very much looking forward to. Then the trilogy will be done. Um, yeah, I am Danish originally, uh, so from Europe, but currently live in southern France. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Well, I've seen uh, book one on uh, has been everywhere lately. I feel like every single, yeah. like I follow a lot of different, you know, book bloggers or, you know, just different authors, writers and stuff. So you have, uh, you know, just been all over Twitter lately, which for me is really cool <laughs> to see. So it's, uh, you know, it's awesome, you know, to just to, I, I feel think like I've it's heard, really been embraced. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, I feel like it's a value. And all of a sudden it was just like the week after that was like, bam, all of a sudden everybody had your book everywhere. Um, and a, a couple friends of mine were like, Hey, cause I teach history. They're like, this is definitely like a book up your alley. Um, and I actually just won a gift card to an independent, um, bookstore yesterday, um, Ooh, Thursday, cool. Friday. So yeah, so I got, um, <laughs> trying to get, yeah, book one. And then I got, uh, like GD Pedman, I was uh, interviewing yesterday, trying to get his book too. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be really fun. So I really look forward to reading book one. Very cool. <laughs> I saw book two. Yeah, saw book two. Um, yeah. You know, blew up my feed the last really like three or four weeks. Um, mm. It seems like so. Really excited for you there. It's been really awesome. Uh, you know, to see the progression for book one, book two, and see how you know different people have embraced. It. I feel like a Norse uh, mythology's been, you know, really on the rise lately, and. Um, it really has. I feel like already last year when Northern Rats was the first one of mine came out. Um, there's this guy over on Twitter, Alex from Spells and Spaceships, who started a thing oh, yeah. called Norse Vember, where all the way throughout November, he does Norse blogs and things like that. And that just took off. And so many different people on Twitter suddenly, you know, were reading Norse themed books or talking about Vikings. And he's doing it again this year. So I feel yeah. like it's really making the community grow and making people interested in this particular era and this particular oh, yeah. mythology. I mean, it's definitely, uh, I, I just, I like how, and we're going to get into this with the questions, but I just, I personally like when I'm, you know, was looking at Northern Wrath and, you know, really looking at, um, you know, what it was about. I just, it really resonated with me and um, like Scott Oden and I and a couple other people were, were talking about your book one um, and just how, you know, like we're really big into mythology and things like that. Um, Dirk Ashton was another one we were talking about your book um, you know it just seems like I don't know we just really like how the mythology is you know it's really entering fantasy and urban fantasy mm -hmm. more and yeah. I don't know it's just it's really nice to see like Norse November to me it's just really really cool and you just got to mm -hmm. wonder what else can we add to it later and I just think it really adds to the genre so it's been really nice to see. Thank you. That's very cool. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot happening in this genre at the moment as well, and fantasy as well. I feel like there's a lot of things that are more rooted in the historical and different kinds of myths and things like that coming out, which I find very cool. Yeah, I just think it's, uh, you know, like I was just talking to, to GD yesterday and to Scott Odin about this and Sean Bell on Friday. Like, it just seems like, I don't know, I'm just so tired of the typical, you know, I, I try to keep my fantasy world not the typical Western European, um, which I know seems weird because then, you know, like uh, Sean Bell and I were talking about, you know, like you just we really like the, you know, the Norse mythology, but it's mm -hmm. different than 
putting yourself in a, I think a typical forgotten realm setting um, where mm -hmm. it's Western European because you're taking, um, you know, your book and, you know, actually mm -hmm. making it in that time period and then putting those, you know, fantasy elements to it. It's just, it's totally different. It's almost like a historical mm -hmm. fantasy almost or a mythological exactly. Yeah, fantasy. I think it leans more towards historical fantasy and then with the myths added more and more as you progress within the story but definitely started as a historical novel as well and then grew into the fantasy realm with every all of the myths and everything getting involved. See, that's really cool. That's really cool to know because um, I'm thinking, I was talking to Didi about this. Like I have one that I just think is like a fun project. And I just, I like books like yours because it really, you know, shows that people really like that type of fantasy. And, you mm -hmm. know, I think it, um, you know, it really leaves a, a wider range of like, what can we actually do in the genre? Um, it's really nice to see, you know, both of your books being, you know, so successful and so many people reading them because it really, you know, I think, you know, lets credence to the fact that, you know, this is a, a really, you know, good, um, you know, route to pursue. Um, and yeah, we've had, uh, like Scott Odenair were talking about that, you know, with like his um, uh, gathering of ravens I'm about to start really soon, you know, and it's, mm. it's, it's along the same lines as yours. And I think most people, you know, when you look at fantasy think, again of just the typical you know D, D or stuff like that but um i think the, the genre is really evolving and more and more so i feel like so many different things are being done and being tried out yeah. and it really shows that there is an audience hungry for something new whichever way you take it whether you take it a historical road whether you take it an unexplored path along a different culture or something else yeah. i feel like there's so many different new things being done in the genre today that really shows that the fantasy readers are there for it I mean, we all love fantasy. We love new worlds. We want something that's slightly different or very different from what we're used to. Yeah. And that's something very unique that you can get within fantasy. Yeah. And if you guys for our audience have not um, seen um, you know, um, book one yet, just make sure because I love the cover arts that you're doing too. Like, I'm, really I'm, lucky, not, yeah. I'm not really like a... And I just to be honest, I'm not a really big like, um, you know, I love the classic scenes and things like that. Um, you know, and to, to have a weapon or something. And I just, it, it really captured me right away. Um, and I was like, mm. oh, that's really cool. <laughs> and <laughs> then I, I, you know, I read, um, um, you know, the, the book description right away and checked out your Twitter. I was like, follow right now. Like, don't even hesitate. <laughs> yeah. Um, Thank you. Yeah. I mean, Brilliant. that's the kind of thing as an author, a traditionally published author, you can't really control how the book is going to be, yeah, yeah. you know, marketed and wrapped and everything. But I just feel like I was really lucky. I got an editor who definitely highlighted what's in there as well. So yeah. I feel like it's not false advertising. You're actually going to get what you see on the cover. That is pretty cool. much what describes the book. Oh, that's really so, cool. Yeah, I was very lucky. Yeah, I just think it was a, a, a brilliant decision by everybody all the way around. It just, mm -hmm. it really pulled to me and spoke to me. And I've had quite a few people that we've had on um, where uh, we've been chatting before we started recording. I know a couple of people mentioned while we were recording, you know, where they just just really love that cover. It pulled them in right away. And oh, that's really um, cool. that's yeah. both of them, I think really, you know, your entire trilogy, you know, is well named, um, mm -hmm. you know, especially book one and book two. So, you know, I, I, we were discussing advertising, you know, just from mm -hmm. the cover and your, you know, your book description, but more importantly, the title, um, yep. you know, and the titles and to us, it just really screamed like, you know, exactly what we want from a fantasy, you know, trilogy. that's really yeah. cool. Yeah. I feel like titles is something that's really difficult to capture as well. And usually it happens quite late in the process once you've actually finished it and you know what it's actually about and you're able to get a title. Yeah. I feel like that's probably what we struggled the most with, with book two and three, we found them pretty late. Oh, okay. The titles. But I feel like book two especially really captures what it's all about, yeah. even though I hadn't realized it when we were thinking about titles. 
Hmm. And book one as well, obviously, completely captures what happens within the book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that one was a bit more obvious for us to come up with. But yeah. Oh, okay. That's so, very cool to, to know that it does resonate with people and it does. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're kind of feeling what's going to happen. Yeah. So you would say then, just as a side question, real quick before we get started, mm. the actual one. So for Northern Wrath, would you say that? So that one was that title came out earlier than the other two then? I would say so. I mean, Northern Wrath, actually, I wrote it as two different books that I then joined as one later on in the process. And book one was called something different, but book two was called Northern Wrath. Mm. And there is a reason within the story, there's an object or there's a ship that's called Northern Wrath within the story. That's kind of a big okay. object that kind of signifies a lot of things that does happen. Um, yeah. And so that was kind of a natural title for me to pick because I felt like it was a cool name and yeah, it kind of explains what happens within it and so when I joined those two books into one it seemed like the obvious pick for a title oh yeah yeah that's really cool and I really mm -hmm. I have to say like yeah like we were discussing you know that like that's just such a cool title um especially mm -hmm. for you know the the niche of the genre that you're trying to fit into like, exactly like I feel like it speaks to the the right kind of people who they know what they're going to get when they see a title like that you know so yeah people who are into that they're going to gravitate towards it and the people who aren't well they know from the start okay that's not going to be my thing <laughs> yeah yeah and I really like too um my friend right away when um when book two the cover came out um and the title like he sent it to me right away um he's like yeah shackled fates like check this out and we we're both really blown away by just the title and um the cover art and it just seemed like everything pulled together really really nicely um, and it was so interesting to see like how you guys did that um, after the mm -hmm. success of book one. Um, mm -hmm. Like I feel like that like you know Northern Rass That's kind of really hard good. title to you know. <laughs> it's a to, difficult one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people I feel like kind of fall flat with both. Um, you know, with book mm -hmm. two and you know you guys stuck I feel it right. Like it's so difficult as well. I mean, it's such a short thing. You kind of wanted to represent what the book is about. You kind of wanted to say something about who is it going to appeal to and. I don't know. It's tough. Well, we felt we felt like you nailed it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> My friend, he's like, so uh, you're getting book one really soon. He's like, I just need to buy you book two for Christmas. And I was like, well, usually I get a lot of gift cards, I said. But if not, I said, yeah, you know, feel free. I said, I'll just go and you know, wait for book three or something like that. And, you know, use the gift card. Then. But yeah, that's awesome. Well, we're really happy to see all of your success and we really hope it continues. So we really liked everything. Thank you. And thank you for embracing the book and everything. I think it's really thanks for the community, especially the one that's grown on Twitter and so on. That's that's, you know, the books have found kind of their audience, their core audience, the kind of people who are going to respond to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. Hope it keeps growing for you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, for this Thank first you. question, now I'm, I'm just really interested, especially, you know, as, as you were talking here, um, you know, just about a little bit of the mm -hmm. process and things like that for book one. Yeah. Uh, what has your writing journey been like up until this point? Uh, that's a really good question. I feel like a lot of writers, when they're young, they always dream about being a writer when they grow up. And that was definitely not my experience. <laughs> I, uh, I was a kid who loved books, but I never thought about writing them. It wasn't until I went to university studying writing, funny enough, that I thought, oh, hey, hang on, this is pretty cool, this is pretty fun, why can't I just continue to do this? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I studied creative writing at university in England, cool. and I chose that um, kind of as a fallback thing because I wanted to study film, and then the morning I had to put in my applications, I realized hold on, no, I, I don't want to study film, what am I going to do then? <laughs> and my whole world kind of escalated I didn't know what to do um, and so I looked through all of the possible things I could study and I found that creative writing was an opportunity 
And I thought, okay, it's kind of within the artistic field. So if I do change my mind again in two months, I probably <laughs> would be able to switch back. Yeah. And also, no matter what I'm going to do afterwards, it's probably pretty good to be able to put my thoughts into writing. Maybe that's a pretty neat skill to cultivate. Yeah, yeah. And at the time, it was something I really struggled with. I liked drawing, but I could never capture what I was thinking about mm -hmm. on the page. Same that. with writing. I just couldn't do it. So I went to university specifically to learn how to do that, mm. how to capture what was in my mind. And as I studied it, I just started to find it. I found it so, so much fun. It was just fun to sit and write and to see what I had in my head come alive on the page. And the more I did it, the more I felt like, you know, I just want to try to follow this path. And so it was pretty late in the process while already studying it that I realized that this is what I wanted to do. And then I continued on, continued to, to, to study uh, a master's degree. And during that, I wrote the first part of Northern Wrath. Oh, wow. So that's when I, when I did that. And then once that was done, I tried to find an agent, which took a while. Um, but I succeeded in finding a wonderful agent. And we worked on that for a long time on the book. And that's when I joined the two manuscripts into one, made one book, because I had found him with one manuscript. And then I'd continue writing the next thing. And we joined them together and we found a publisher for it. Yeah, so that was a process that took uh, a few years. I think probably longer than I expected when I decided to set out on the road to become published. But, you know, that's the kind of thing you don't really know until you try it. You realize, oh, wait, everything just does just happen pretty slowly in this industry. Okay. <laughs> Especially with the pandemic, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but even before then, I feel like things yeah, yeah. just take time. Yeah. We have a proverb in Denmark that is, which means work hard, but acknowledge that things do take time. And I feel like I have repeated that to myself like a mantra for years. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get there. You're going to get there. Just yeah, keep yeah. going. <laughs> that's a really good one. We're gonna, I'm going to quote you there um, for the episode. So that's really cool. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, for number two here, uh, so like we talked already, uh, you know, a little bit before we started getting into the questions. So you've combined Norse mythology and epic fantasy, and I mm -hmm. feel, and a lot of people I've talked to have said the same thing, uh, into this new and refreshing way. How did you come up with this idea? Well, as I briefly mentioned earlier, it actually started as more of a historical fiction kind of thing. So I was doing full on research on Vikings. I thought I was definitely just writing historical fiction about Vikings until I realized at some point in order to really write about the Vikings, I needed to write about what they believed in, because that was such a big part of why they acted as they did. And the more I realized this, the more the gods and the myths and everything started to find its way into the story. <laughs> and so that I pretty quickly realized, okay, I am writing epic fantasy, just very myth and historical based, very focused on the actual history of the Vikings and the real time period, but also very focused on the gods as they were. Um, and so that just started to, to blend together because I was exploring that culture and I couldn't do that without exploring everything that they believed in. Yeah. I mean, the Vikings, they went out and they raided because they believe if they die in battle, then they're going to go to the awesome afterlife where they get to feast with their gods and all of their <laughs> friends and just have a blast every night. Okay. Yeah. And then go out and fight each other and be reawakened to another great feast, you know. Yeah. <laughs> if they didn't have that belief, they probably wouldn't have gone on as many raids as they did and, you know, been the kind of culture, been the kind of society that they were. So their beliefs was a very, very big part of what made them go out there as adventurers. Yeah. And I just, I like how you said that because I, um, you know, a friend and I, we're uh, discussing doing um, 
you know, like we wanted to do historical fiction for Native Americans and, you know, do like a trilogy, mm. but we're having that same issue, you know, because I think they're very similar, you know, to Norse mythology and just the culture, mm. because, you know, you really can't separate the spiritual, you know, or the culture. And mm. yeah, so what we were, when I was saying that you were coming on, you know, he was like, oh, so that'd be a really good idea, you know, to kind of talk about these questions. Yeah. Cause there were kind of some yeah. different things we were, we were wondering. So I'm really glad that, <laughs> I'm glad that that Okay. <laughs> So you're having a similar kind of experience that I had yes. with the Vikings. We started realizing that actually their beliefs is what makes the culture as it is. Yeah. I feel like also the language is very, very much comes from their belief as well. So the way they talk about certain things, the way they think about certain aspects is very much connected to the understanding of the gods and their, myth, their myths and everything. At least for the Vikings, that has been my experience. So I couldn't separate the two. After a while, I just had to accept that, you know, they came hand in hand. They came together. Yeah. This is such a cool concept just to already take what's there and just just write it. Mm. And mm. I, I think it's a it's a brilliant idea. So I, we're really excited. Thank you. To, <laughs> to I feel like it's it. a lot of responsibility as well, because I feel like a lot of people either know a lot about it or feel like they know a lot about it or mm. want to know a lot about it. And I feel kind of responsible for not misleading them yeah, <laughs> in, yeah, yeah. in my portrayal in certain <laughs> ways. So I feel like I, uh, yeah, it's a lot of responsibility, but it's been a lot of fun too. No, I totally understand. I'm, like a project I was talking about earlier, I just want to do like a really cool, like um, I want to discover where the lost Legion was um, mm. and like what happened to them. So I'm going to mix it with zombies. Um, mm. And I'm like doing the research. I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm really going to, you know, I'm going to have to, you're going to hit the historical fiction, you know, crowd, you, you know, at least somewhat or historical yeah. fantasy. You got to, you got to nail it. So I think you're, you're totally yeah. right with that. Yeah. It is a big responsibility. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that kind of gets me to the next question for question three. So what is one thing about your writing process that you find the most helpful? Um, honestly, for me, uh, because these are pretty big books, I mean, people might be, uh, be just listening, but they're around 600 pages each. So they're pretty big books. And in order to write that many words and that many pages, I feel like having sort of a habit or a schedule where, you know, at this kind of time every week or every day, however often you write, you're going to actually sit down and get some work done. Um, I feel like it's important for me to have a particular space and a particular moment in time where I go, okay, this is my writing time, this is my writing space, and I'm just going to go for it. Because otherwise I end up sitting and doing all sorts of other things and the book takes forever to write. <laughs> and eventually you reach that middle point that's just difficult and you just have to keep going <laughs> all of the time. And if I don't have that schedule, if I don't have that routine, I find it's easy to end up not doing as much as I would like to and I probably should be doing, especially at the times where it's not just easy peasy anymore. Because <laughs> at the beginning, you have a lot of energy and you're just, yeah, and this is exciting and it's wonderful. And you reach the middle bits and you start to reach a few, you know, more difficult bits and the ending feels kind of far away and you really have to put in an extra effort. So I find like the most helpful thing for me has been having a regular schedule somewhat, at least. And it can change over time. That's fine. But as long as I know, you know, I'm going to go down there, be it, you know, Sunday morning and I'm going to get some writing done. <laughs> No, I, I think you're totally right there. I, I'm I'm really lazy when I don't set my schedule. <laughs> I find I get guilty when I have a schedule I don't follow. If I don't have a schedule, that I don't feel guilty. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah and I feel it, like having kind of an open schedule that you can adjust. I like to adjust my schedule. So the day before I decide exactly what I'm going to be setting myself as a goal the next day. So I don't feel too overwhelmed. And if it's, you know, if I'm a bit sick or something like that, I don't. Yeah. 
have to feel bad that I can't do as much because obviously every day is not going to be the same. Yeah. And, you know, every, especially with writing, you have certain chapters that are more difficult than others, certain sections of a book that are more difficult. And so I feel like if I adjust my expectations to my output, that usually helps me. Oh man, I think that's brilliant advice. I think I actually need to try that more often. <laughs> <laughs> I recommend it. It's worked for me. So I recommend okay. it. Oh, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's very, very helpful. I think a lot of people will, who have, like me, have not thought of it in that way. So I think mm. that's great advice. Great advice. Mm. I also feel like when I set kind of my expectations the night before or the evening before, I end up just before going to bed, I end up thinking about the story and that actually helps mm -hmm. me the next day because I wake up with sort of knowing, I feel like I've worked on it during the night while I've been sleeping, even if you know you haven't, of course, but it's been somewhere in my mind. Yeah. So I feel more ready to write the following morning when I wake up, I feel like, okay. And then I start thinking about it naturally. Wow. Yeah. That's actually, yeah, that's the, both of those are really, really good points. Yeah. I should try and do that right more subconsciously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for this next question, um, I'm really, really anxious to hear uh, your answer for this one. How did you go about your research for North Mist for this novel, especially in the time period, especially since you said, you know, you started off as a historical fiction. So how did you start yeah. that research and writing process? Oh, goodness. Okay, I go insane with research. So <laughs> I go way too in depth compared to what I probably ought to do. Well, apparently I'm the kind of person who will so. keep moon charts and, you know, uh, write maps about what kind of trees grow where and everything. <laughs> um, but where do I start? So, I mean, for me with the Vikings, it started a bit naturally because I am Danish. So I was born in Denmark and I grew up with the Norse myths. So I started with already being familiar with a lot of the elements and all of the gods and things like that. So I started up brushing off on what I already had, the sagas that we did have at home. I started reading those and getting back into it. And with the myth, I found that with Norse mythology, there are two main sources. There's the Poetic Edda and there's the Prosa Edda. And the Prosa Edda was written by Snorri Sturluson, uh, an Icelandic man, Christian. And I feel like it's very Christian version of the myth. Mm. So while I read those, I felt like the Poetic Edda, which was also written down by Christian, Christian monks, but I feel like that was more representative of their culture. And so I really focused on that one um, and trying to discern who they were. Actually, while researching the myths, what came up as the most important, again, is the history. So the real people who came up with these myths, who were they? Why did they come up with these myths? Why were they so important to them? And that comes from what kind of society they had. Who were they as people? What was important to them? I feel like when you work those two things together, again, as I said before, they come hand in hand. I couldn't separate them one from another. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I really started there. And as I got docked deeper and deeper, I would go to museums and so on in Denmark. And I ended up joining a uh, Viking Age uh, warship that I sailed with for a few years and still hope to get back to once you know the world calms down a little bit um yeah and that was that was a really good experience I feel like the practical research that I did probably enlightened me more than anything but it could only really enlighten me because I'd done the physical so I've done, I've done I already did the literary research and so on and so I was very open to it when I once I actually arrived at the ship and I had all all these questions and I could just take in the experiences and just add layer my knowledge yeah so I feel like ending with the practical is really what made it feel real to me as well made the Vikings feel like real people I felt like I understood their beliefs better their beliefs in the gods why did they have those things like that after actually getting to the practical research 
that's when it really all came together to me. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. I feel like, yeah, I feel like a lot of people will find that answer very, very helpful. Like I said, I talked to a lot of people where, you know, we're just, we're just really, really just over the, yeah, that typical, typical mm-hmm. fantasy. So yeah, and there, mm-hmm. I, I obviously talked to a lot of, you know, historians and things like that just because of my job. So, and a lot of mm-hmm. them really enjoy fantasy because if you study a lot of history, you want yeah. a little bit of fantasy side. Um, yeah, you can pull things from so many different places as well. Yeah. And if you study history as well, it's a really interesting one to, to be able yeah. to play with. Yeah. What if something was different? You know, what if they had this kind of different technology as well? Fantasy can do that as well. Yeah. Open whole new realms of possibilities. Yeah. Well, I can't remember who, which one of my friends I was talking to, but one of them, uh, like a felt author was he's like, well, you're already a, a historian. He goes, you've already done these things. He's like, why not just do half that and then half fantasy? Yeah, <laughs> why not? Okay, I was, you know, your trilogy, I was like, oh, I was like, yeah. I was like, apparently people really like it. So yeah. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, you already have a, you know, a bachelor's degree for it. He's like, you might as well, you know, go from there. So I thought yeah. it was, uh, really funny, but um, yeah, that's a great answer. Uh, for our next one, how did you go about world building and incorporating these Norse myths and these different figures mm-hmm. into what I and others have called a seamless and breathtaking landscape? Well, thank you, first of all. <laughs> and um, I think, again, I started with the historical. So I started with a very specific historical event that starts at the beginning in, well, oh, cool. around 100 pages into Northern Wrath. There is an event that happens, and that is a real historical event. Oh, cool. And so I started, when I was starting writing, I really started to focus my research around that event, that time period, you know, who was uh, the leader at the time, you know, who was king, who was uh, who was the leader of, the, of these different groups and what were their philosophies like. And um, yeah, I, I actually feel like a lot of it just emerged kind of naturally because I'd done so much research before starting. Mm. So I feel like everything was on my mind, was lying in the back of my mind. And um, that's how the mythology kind of got into it as well, because so I would write one thing that suddenly would feel, oh, that's very similar to something I read about the mythology a while back. Yeah. Let me just go back and have a look at that. And I feel like I started to weave different things together while writing because I'd done so much research. It was just sitting there ready to be used. Yeah. Um, yeah. As for the myths and everything. Um, yeah, I think I think the difficult part there was to not make it feel too out of place, especially when you're starting in a very historical setting. Yeah. So I started very historical and slowly the myths and the fantasy and the magic starts to weave itself in. And so how do you present these myths and these gods like real people and like they fit in the world and they, they aren't just, oh, why is there suddenly a god in the middle of the road? What, what happened here? <laughs> Where did we go wrong? Where were all the signs? Uh, and I feel like just adding small mystical elements at the beginning, even during the historical part, is really what um, helped the reader feel like, oh, there's going to be some more of this coming. I feel like we're going to go deeper and deeper into the magic. And I think a lot of that was added in the editing process. So once I'd already written through it once and I was going through, I felt like, oh, I can add a little bit of mystical piece here, a little bit of mythology here. So to really help the reader, guide the reader along. Also kind of like signposts, like, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You can call it kind of foreshadowing, right, as well. Mm-hmm. Kind of uh, giving small hints to what might come, that there there might be more behind these scenes than what you might immediately think. Oh, cool. yeah. I, I have a friend, um, uh, Christopher G. Brenning, and he does that um, um, very similar thing um, in The Hellborn King. 
uh, Grim Dark mm-hmm. Fantasy and because at first it's like it seems like it's more of a historical fiction book um just with mm-hmm. like a different named countries and like empire and stuff and then yeah. he really does a great job sprinkling that through um I kind of liken it too and my friend said your book was very similar uh, Northern Wrath was very similar to like uh, the Vikings TV show where you mm-hmm. know it's historical fiction but they you know they do do a really great job foreshadowing and sprinkling in those different mystical or supernatural elements so yeah. they feel yeah they feel very seamless and it just seems yeah. like, they feel yeah. part of the world from the beginning yeah. I think yeah. that's important so you don't suddenly feel like it's taking a left field and now you're yeah. left just not knowing what's coming yeah no, I think that's I think that's a great point and, and excellent excellent advice great answer <laughs> Uh, for this next one, so what is one piece of advice you have for someone who's trying to combine these different myths and pantheons mm. into this type of fantasy setting? Mm. We kind of already talked uh, a little bit about it. But. Yeah, we already touched a bit on it. I think the main thing would be to try to pay attention as you're doing your research to where things overlap. Mm-hmm. Because for me, this is something I obviously I started with thinking it was historical fiction. And so I didn't really think deeper on it until I was already into the fantasy, fantasy element. And then I had to go back and weave things in. But if from the beginning, I'd been more aware of where the history and the myth intertwine and overlap, I might have been better at bringing in things from the start and not have as much a bigger job uh, in the edit. Yeah, that's, I have not considered that before. <laughs> going through I have like a urban fantasy where I'm taking like um I uh, want to add a Valkyrie um mm. and do like an urban fantasy there um mm. but now you have me rethinking my entire process for that oh no sorry uh, oh, which, which, is, which is definitely a good thing which is definitely a good thing um but yeah I think that um yeah I think that's great advice and we're gonna have some people mm. doing the same thing going back to their manuscripts and being like wait a minute because I think that's where I got stuck with the outline a little bit more yeah. was not doing that. So I think that's that's really yeah, good. I think that's what happened to me as well with book one as I was writing it. And at that point where I realized, wait, I need to get into the myths more. I need to get into the gods and their beliefs. At that point, it was really, it would have helped me to think about it that way. Yeah. To look for certain things that I could overlap that were already there. So I could easier make that transition, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of like you're looking at a treasure map and the X's are yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that. Like you're combining two different maps, right? Yeah, you have yeah, two yeah. different maps and you're trying to figure out where, how they match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. work smarter, not harder, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now all of a sudden after this interview, you're going to see all these you know, historical fantasy books pop up because you just made it so much easier for everybody in the right <laughs> Well, I hope so. That would be cool. Yeah. I wouldn't have sure we to that. Credit, We're going to give you credit for <laughs> the, the, the Northern Wrath uh, wave, as we'll call it. So, <laughs> Well, that's excellent advice. Um, as we're wrapping up here, I'm actually really curious to see uh, who are some authors or books that you would recommend to our audience? It doesn't have to be, mm-hmm. it can really just be anything that, you know, you're mm-hmm. reading that you really enjoyed. A couple of people this weekend you know, had talked about historical fiction, fantasy, sci-fi, writing books. It's real. a couple mm-hmm. people mentioned poetry that really helped them um, in their fantasy and their historical fiction. So it's really just mm-hmm. whatever comes to mind for you. Cool. I have a few. The first um, I would probably say is Joanne M. Harris, uh, The Gospel of Loki. Because when I was writing Northern Wrath, um, at a point I realized that, hey, hang on, everyone is not Scandinavian. Everyone not, might not actually know the Norse myth. Maybe I ought to have to explain and talk about these Norse myths as well so that it will be easier to follow. 
And as I was writing it, this book came out, The Gospel of Loki, and it's a retelling of um, the uh, the myths, the Norse myths with the okay. gods through the point of view of Loki, who is, you know, a lot of people's uh, already favorite uh, <laughs> character in most uh, Norse related myths. And uh, she just weaves it together really brilliantly. Um, cool. And reading that really took a lot of pressure off my shoulders because I feel like, okay, I can point people towards this book and I don't have to hold the entire responsibility <laughs> of the mess anymore. Yeah. I can just tell my story and focus on that. Yeah, um, so cool. that one I always recommend if people want to know a bit more about Vikings and the Norse mess. And then currently I'm reading a series of books that I'm really loving. Um, I'm taking my time with them because I don't want them to be over and I just oh, yeah. want to live in the world and enjoy them a lot and I feel like I read a few pages and I just want to go and write I just want to go and sit and write and I just, so I use them as inspiration yeah. when I feel like things are a bit tough then I pick it up and I read a few pages and suddenly I want to write yeah and that is um, Anna Smith Spark oh this yeah one it's the empire of dust I just feel like there are so many great ideas and so many great things to think about, especially as an author, that it's just full of inspiring ideas. Oh, that's excellent. So, yeah, those would be my main recommendation at the moment. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm putting a list together for the website because a lot of people, like I oh, said, cool. are really into it. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm going to give you guys each, I'm going to put the episode that we talked and then I'll go ahead and, you know, we'll put like a little description for you guys. Um, and then we'll put, yeah, those, um, those the recommendations. Books. Yeah. Cool. You know? And then the next time, you know, if you guys come back, uh, whenever that is, you know, maybe you've read something new, we'll do that episode, yep. you know, your description, and then we'll put it there. So, um, mm -hmm. I had had that recommendation, um, by a couple of different people for a couple of different podcasts. They're like, yeah, we oh, wish really? we that sooner. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, cool. oh, okay. So I decided, yeah, to start doing it. Uh, Wizards yeah, yeah, yeah. was one of them. Um, Jed Hearn was starting to do that. And he's like, oh, there's just so many now that we've talked about in two seasons. And I'm <laughs> like, well, I'm not even halfway through season one for mine. So I said, I'll start to do this now the next couple of weeks. And then we can kind of go from there. But I know a lot of people had, had talked to me about We're it. all going to have our TBR list completely destroyed. <laughs> and yeah, I just, was like, well, you're going to be the sole result of, you know, like all these people going from, a, you know, a hill or a TBR mountain to like a mountain range. And I said, no, yeah. <laughs> there are other authors that have, you know, given me the recommendation. So to be fair, we're all to blame when everybody, you know, doesn't have any <laughs> all these books <laughs> uh oh <laughs> uh, including yours so uh, so for this last question thank you I'm really anxious um I know uh I a friend just recommended me actually I think it was Scott Odin was talking about the gospel of Loki the other day to me mm -hmm. uh, and I know Anna Smith Spark was has been on my list um for at least the last like four or five months so mm -hmm. thank you so much definitely have to check both of those out definitely the gospel of loki for sure because <laughs> i you love my recommendations so. <laughs> <laughs> love both of those excellent uh so do you have any news updates promos or sales or anything like that going on currently um no we just had a sale that finished but when new ones come out i do uh, advertise them on my twitter you can find me at at cold hold k-o-l-d-h-o-l-d-t both on Twitter and Instagram. So currently there's not much, but the second volume in the uh, trilogy, so Shackle Fates, just came out uh, a little while ago with a lovely, beautiful cover. And uh, yeah, and we're looking, I'm looking forward to next year when the third one is out and the entire trilogy will finally be out. That would be really awesome. It's going to feel really good. Cool. We'll definitely have to have you on before then so we can help uh, push those Happily. sales and those pre-orders and things like that. So Happily. And that's awesome. Well, 
this is where we're going to stop today, folks online. So please make sure that you go and check out uh, Tilt's website, Twitter, all those great things. I'm going to put all those in the YouTube description, the Spotify description. Um, so just make sure you guys check those out. You know, that's the main reason we're doing this podcast. Um, so we definitely, again, want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics podcast. Uh, you can find this video um, on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, on uh, the audio is on Spotify. Thank you again to our tech uh, guy, David, my best friend, uh, who helped us figure out the Spotify after like three months. Um, make sure you're checking us out at scholars of UMA. That's UMA at gmail.com. Again, that's in both of the YouTube and Spotify description. You can find that email, uh, which is my primary one anywhere. Uh, let us know who you'd like to see on the podcast. You know, if you want to pass any messages on, you know, so Tilda or anybody like that that we've had on or, you know, any questions you have for them, please, please, please let us know. And, you know, we'll relay those to them. Uh, feel free to send us any videos or pictures that are fantasy or sci-fi related. Uh, Tilda, once again, really, really appreciate you coming on. I've been wanting to get you on for a while after, you know, my friend Thank uh, you for raving. Yeah, raving <laughs> on Northern Wrath. So I'm actually um, going to get done here and I uh, actually go and order that one right now with my gift card. Uh, <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> so I hope you enjoy it. And thank you for having me. It's been really great. Yeah. yeah and don't forget, guys, uh, this will be up really soon. So don't forget, you know, to take part in Norse November and check out both uh, Northern Wrath and Shackle Fates. So thank you again for coming on. And I hope to see you soon and talk to you on Twitter, my friend. Yes, you too. Talk to you soon. Have a good rest of the day. You too. Bye. <laughs>